All right, if you have your Bibles, turn to where we left off, Brother Cody, uh, Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 and 27, talking about sanctity of life, and tonight I want to combine that with the worth of a soul. You know, your body, soul, and spirit because you're born or created in God's image. You're a trichotomy, you're a, you're a trifold person, amen, and uh, you're in the image of God. And the Bible says he created male and female. And we're in such a wicked day today, some females are trying to become males and males are trying to become females. And God help them, amen. And I don't understand that at all. It's not a sickness, it's a sin. It's an abomination to God. And I want to tell you something, another abomination to God is when a nation sheds innocent blood. And that's why I felt led, especially in the good state of Georgia. Tennessee's probably a little more sane. But in the state of Georgia, we have proven that we ain't got much sense. Now, thank God for Whitfield County, 70-30 uh, was the vote. But um, we just elected two of the worst candidates in the history of Georgia that believe in killing babies. That's right. They believe in same-sex marriage. They believe in a lot of things that's not biblical. I think you ought to vote for righteousness and vote biblical. Amen. But it's too late now. What we need to do is have revival in the church, amen? But we sure ain't going to have revival in the White House. And so uh, that's what stirred me up to preach on sanctity of life. Usually I don't dwell on it like I did this morning. I don't apologize for it. I inquired on why somebody walked out on the service and they were sick. They were not protesting my message because I was going to go talk to them, amen, and tell them that we love them. And if they disagree, that's fine, but come on back and hear, hear some more preaching. Amen. That's what I was going to tell them. Amen. But uh, look at uh, the Word of God uh, in chapter 1 and verse 26 and 27. Then I want to pre preach and close this message out with this thought. If life is sacred, which the word sanctity means, comes from the Latin word sacris, which means sacred, and folks, I want to say this, every soul has a purpose. Every soul is intended to be saved. I'm not Calvinist, I'm not five point, I'm not a tulip, but I want to tell you this, friend, God wants everybody saved, whosoever will, because they have an eternal purpose beginning when they get born again. But we'll see in chapter three of this book of Genesis. How many's made it to chapter 3 of Genesis so far? Amen. The most read book in the Bible is Genesis. Every January we start out good, don't we? So keep up with it now. We want to we want to continue and I, I'm I'm on course and I thank God for that. I got my little marker out this morning and so read your Bible every day. Read it through this year, okay? Let's stay in on the Word of God. Genesis chapter 1 verse 26. Thank you, Brother Brazel bringing your family all the way from Knoxville, Tennessee, um, and graduated from a great college. My children graduated from there. I got one young lady up there, and she's thrilled to death to be there and learning and having just the time of her life um, as God is instructing her for the future. It says, and God said, verse 26, please, let us make man in our image after our likeness let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth 
and every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. And so God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him, male and female created he them. God blessed them, and God said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, or every living thing that moveth upon the earth. And then we see the beautiful picture of marriage in chapter 2, and I want you to read in chapter 3, verse 1. Now the serpent was subtle, more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Yea, hath God said, and ye shall not eat of, the, of every tree of the garden. The woman said upon, unto the serpent, You may eat of the fruit of the tree of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat it, neither shall ye touch it. He didn't say that. Lest ye die. And the serpent said unto the woman, You shall not surely die. For God doth know that in the day that ye eat thereof, your eyes shall be opened. You'll be your own God. You shall be as gods. That's humanistic philosophy. Knowing good and evil. When the woman saw the tree was good for food and was pleasant to the eyes and the tree to be desired to make one wise, she took the fruit thereof, did eat, and gave unto her husband with her, and he did eat. And the eyes of them were both open, and they, were, they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. And they heard the voice of the Lord God calling in the garden in the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife hid themselves in the presence of the Lord amongst the trees of the garden. And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? You may be seated as I pray. Father, thank you so much for the good presentation. We know that um, hearts and souls are dying in Australia like they are in the United States and all around the world. It's never heard a clear presentation of the gospel. Lord, those were souls they're souls that you died for, that you're coming for, and God, that you want to redeem. And so, Lord, dear God, help us. Help us to realize the sanctity of life means everybody's got a soul. We're not animals. We're not fish. We're not some uh, person that's not going to give account of our decision of whether to be saved or not. But we're a living soul you planted in our hearts. We have a body. We have a spirit. And dear God, one day we're going to face you. And so Lord, please help us as we close this message we began this morning. Lord, I pray that you'd use it for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Skip on down to the third point, brother, and we're going to close this out. We try to not meet as long as we normally do. Uh, today we stayed about 1 o'clock. Uh, had a good wedding of a young lady that got saved. A young man that was brought in this church since he was six years old and got out of the will of God. He came back and he rededicated his life at the altar. That's what he was doing. He said he wanted to do that. And I want you to pray for him. I want you to pray for this young couple. He's going to go to the army uh, in a couple of weeks. He'll be gone several weeks. His wife doesn't drive. She told me in the council session Friday night, she said, Brother Wayne, I'm scared to drive. I said, I don't blame you. You've probably seen me driving. And, uh, he says, I don't even have a car. I said, well, we'll get you to church. Don't worry about that. But I want you to pray for that young couple. It's good to see people saved. Amen. It's good to see people want to do right, get right. And that was not only an act of celebration, that was an act of repentance this morning. And 
I appreciate that. Amen. We ought to repent when things are not right. Pray for the children. But the Bible says that God created male and female in his image. And I believe what's so beautiful about marriage is that marriage mirrors the image of God. Because us is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And folks, the problem is sin entered. As soon as he designed this beautiful thing called marriage and man left his father and his mother and shall cleave him to his wife and they shall be one flesh. They're both naked and he and his wife and were not ashamed. The Bible says now the serpent was more subtle. and began to lie to Eve and Adam <clears throat> and they broke fellowship. And I want to say this, friend. One of the greatest tragedies in your life is when, you're, when you break fellowship with God. That's why sin should be exceedingly sinful. And folks, I want to tell you today, sin is accepted and sin is, uh, is uh, colored gray, but I want to tell you something, it's still sin. And our nation needs to repent. And the Bible says we're fearfully and wonderfully made. I don't have time to go to those verses. Oh, yes, I do. Turn to Psalms 139, and I want you to see this real quick. And I promise you I won't repeat this morning's message because you had enough courage to come. And please pray for my wife. She'd love to be here, but I told her she needed to stay at home. And she wasn't drafted. She volunteered, as she always does, to help any way she could this morning. I appreciate her. I missed her. It's good to see Brother Petty back and others. I think we have nine people that's been through it. Y'all are veterans. We might just start a COVID fellowship after church. Amen. No, not really. We won't do that. And I thank God you come through it. And I thank God that some of you uh, still can't taste and still can't smell. No, you, everybody's about to leave here if I keep this up. But uh, I'm glad God didn't take that away from me. Amen? I had a light case because I could still eat. And I uh, can't button my britches, but praise God, I, 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 I might die of a heart attack because I've eaten so, eaten so much, but uh, I'm just glad I'm through it. You say, you got a silver bullet, now you can just charge hell with a squirt gun. No, I'm going to be very cautious. Be very cautious. Next thing you can catch is the flu. Amen. You can catch something else. So you need to be very cautious. But I believe, friend, if we just keep on being cold and distant, we're going to make it. No, no, let's go. Psalms 139. And I want you to see this. It says, We're fearfully and wonderfully made. It talks about the substance, which is the embryo. But I want you to see something real quick in verse 17. It says, How precious. Psalms 139, you with me? Also are the thoughts unto me, O God. How great is the sum of them. You know, God loves everyone. He has some thoughts. I believe he has some plans, Brother Randy. And I believe they're ultimate because of the will of God. And thank God, friend, if you're in the will of God, you ought to be excited about it. Whether you're going to Australia or going down to your neighbor's house, you ought to be a soul winner and you ought to be a servant. But look at this. It says it, if, if I should count them, they're more numbered than the sands when I awake. I am still with thee. Surely thou will slay the wicked, O God. Depart from me, therefore, ye bloody men. And then it goes on to say, For they speak against the wicked, wickedly, and thine enemies take thy name in vain. Oh, isn't that true today? Do not I hate them, O Lord, that hate thee. And am I not grieved with those that rise up against thee? And we ought to thank God for some brothers and sisters that stand for his name. But it says in verse 22, I hate them with perfect hatred. I count them mine enemies. That's why we ought to hate sin and love the sinner. 
But here's what I want you to see in verse 23. After this great chapter on the omniscience of God, on the omnipotence of God, on, on the beautiful way that God created you and that you're a soul, you're a living soul, and that God's got an ultimate plan and there ought to be, a, there ought to be something in your DNA that wants to glorify God. It says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Aren't you glad that you have an everlasting way? It's called eternal life. I like what Dr. Sexton says. We don't use eternal security. We use biblical language. And, and folks, we ought to have eternal a life as one of our main topics. We don't have just eternal security. Half the world don't know what that means. But we have eternal life. And I just want to talk to you about how valuable your soul is and how valuable the souls of men are. And if we believe in the sanctity of life, we ought to believe in sanctification. I'll preach on that Wednesday, please. And please be here. Please come. And I'll finish out uh, 1 Thessalonians um, chapter 5 and the whole book. But not only should we be sanctified, thrilled, filled, and satisfied, we ought to be soul winners. We ought to have a burden for souls. Jesus had a burden for souls. In Luke chapter 15, there's three parables, and every one of them was about something that was lost and how precious that sheep was and how precious that coin was and how precious that son was. And folks, it's really magnifying, if you'll turn with me there for just a few minutes, it was magnifying um, the perfect father. It was magnifying our the perfect will of God. And the perfect will of God is not, for you not to live for yourself. And it's surely not to live for this sorry world. And it's definitely not to live for sin, but it's to live for God's glory. And I can't think of a better way for God to be glorified than souls be saved. That a lost and dead sinner in their sins and trespasses would be resurrected, passed from death into life, John chapter 5, 24, and start glorifying God with their little old life. And their body and their soul and their spirit belongs to God. And thus as they grow and as their disciples, our brother talked about, and I thank God for Monday night, so excited about you wanting to learn to disciple people by knowing the word of God. Folks, listen, God help us to realize the worth of a soul. The worth of a soul. Folks, the Bible says in Mark chapter 8, verse 37, what does it profit man if he gained the whole world and loses his soul? So a soul's worth more than the whole world. And so if we believe in sanctity of life, we ought to believe in the sacredness of soul winning and the necessity of soul winning. And folks, the success of soul winning that thank God when somebody gets saved, it's a miracle. And so some, sometimes we just say, oh, oh, hum, there's somebody coming and getting in. Well, it's more than that. They're passing from death into life. And they're finding out this beautiful fact. Now they're in union with their creator. Think about that for a second. When they're lost, God's crying out, where art thou? He knows where they're at. He wants them to confess that they're out of the perfect will of God, which is to be saved. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. 
So there's a big difference in churchanity and religion and Christianity. Uh, churchanity is concerned about money, or religion is concerned about money a lot, but Christianity is concerned about souls. Churchanity is concerned about worldly prestige, but Christianity is about growth in grace. Churchanity is concerned about denominational power, but Christianity is about the Holy Spirit's power. Churchanity or religion is concerned about big, beautiful buildings and luxurious sanctuaries, and there's nothing wrong with that. We put a lot of money into remodeling this. Aren't you glad it's paid for us? Amen. Hope we have another miracle offering as we have the first two weeks. Amen. Praise God. I ain't got over that yet. Wonderful. But Christianity is concerned about big and beautiful buildings and luxurious sanctuaries, or religion is. But Christianity is concerned about getting souls ready for their mansion in heaven. Folks, I want to tell you something. Christianity means I'll give my life and I'll lay my life down and I'll pick up the cross and I'll be like Christ. See, you're predestined, foreordained to be like Christ. That has nothing to do with salvation, Romans 8, 29. God works it all together. Everything makes you a vessel of the Holy Spirit so you can be more like Christ. You are predestined after you get saved to be like Him. What a high calling that is. And souls are worth constant concern, number one. Going down to the last uh, slide, brother. I'm going to end this thing real quick. Hope I don't end it that quick. It's worth a constant concern. I want to ask you a question. Penny for your thought. What's on your mind most of the time? And what do you think about in the shower besides getting out and taking a shower? I like to put on spiritual music when I shower, and it's one song and I'm out. But I don't have much hair to wash, so it's quick. But I want to tell you something, friend. I want to keep my mind stayed on the Lord even in the shower. I want to keep my mind stayed on the Lord at home. I don't want no rock and roll, hillbilly country music blaring over the speakers. I want God's music. That's what's got me through the pandemic, Brother Gabe, was I had Christian instrumental music, Pandora, free. I had to listen to a couple of commercials once in a while, but it didn't hurt me a bit. But I just played it all the time. I get depressed, I play it all the time. You musicians, you ought to thank God you can play something. Well, I can listen to something, but it's going to have to be something that reminds me of heaven and reminds me of Christ, reminds me of how much he loves me. And folks, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature, old things pass away, and you ought to be transformed and renewed, and renewed by the renewing of your mind. Say amen. You ought to present your body a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. That ought to be the philosophy of your life. I know I'm chasing rabbits for a while, but I'll get to the message in just a minute. Folks, the philosophy of your life is that God has given you the privilege to present your body a living sacrifice that houses your soul and his spirit and thank the Lord do something for God's glory because of the mercies of God. And be not transformed to this world, be, tra- be not conformed to this world, be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove that good and perfect and acceptable will of God. What's prove mean? Live it out. I just want to sum up this thing, friend. What is on your mind most of the time? Money, self, 
I could get real detailed on some things. What predominantly is your focus? Well, I'll tell you what the Lord's was. It's found in Luke chapter 15. We see he had a concern. He had a concern about the proper picture of who he is. He's a loving, godly father that seeks after the lost. He's our Savior. He's sovereign God. He's the living God. And look at verse 1. Then drew near unto him all the publicans and sinners. didn't say republicans. It said publicans and sinners to hear him. And the Pharisees and scribes murmured, saying, This man receiveth sinners and eateth with them. Now, folks, the next three parables is to straighten that bad philosophy and those terrible comments out, to straighten them out. And what he said, he said, he spake a parable unto them, saying, he said unto them, that triggered it. Folks, listen, the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost sheep is not the emphasis. It's not the prodigal son that's the emphasis. It's not the elder pouting brother that's the emphasis. It's the perfect father. Folks, he loves you, and he's got a plan for your life. And Folks, he has a concern about souls. He said in verse 4, it sums up all the next, the next two parables. It says, what man of you having a hundred sheep, if you lose one of them, doth not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness and go after that which is lost until he find it? I want you to know some words in that verse. It says, and go after that which is lost. And go after that which is lost. The Bible tells us that the Lord had a concern for the lost souls of man. Look at verse 5. When he hath found it, he layeth on his shoulders and rejoicing. When he cometh home, he calleth together his friends and Neighbors saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. I say unto you that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth more than over ninety and nine just persons which need no repentance. Folks, I want to tell you something. Every person's a sinner. Every person's created in God's image. But sin, sin broke that sonship, that fellowship. And folks, listen, marred that image. And until they get born again, they're out of God's will, they're going to hell, and they need to be saved. Jesus sought after the souls of men. He said in Luke chapter 19, I've come to seek and to save those who are lost. I want to ask you a question. Do you care that men and ladies and boys and girls are dying, and if they die, Without Christ, they're going to hell. One of the reasons I had that wedding this afternoon was because I wanted to see some sinners walk in this place. You could tell I was very upset that they didn't make it by 11 o'clock. But I should have known that if women are trying to get ready for a wedding, they ain't going to make it on time. But I really wanted them to hear that message this morning. And so I preached it again during the wedding. No, not really. But, you know, we need sinners to come to this place. Some had to get special permission. I won't go into detail 
had to get special permission to get in this place because of past sin. But they called me humbly and said, could I please come to this wedding? And this is what you'll have to do for me to allow me to come in this place. I said, you're more than welcome. Because folks, listen, our church is not a sanctimonious, commodious facility where we're going to bask in our Christianity or our churchanity. It's a place to reach souls. And folks, we ought to be concerned enough about souls. Jesus was so interested in souls that he came from heaven and he died for your sins and my sins and the sins of the whole world. Shouldn't we show an interest? Shouldn't we have concern? Jesus sought after sinners. He sought after sinners. Luke chapter 19, the whole chapter is about Jesus seeking after sinners. Not just opening a church building, not just opening a temple, but he was seeking after souls that were created in his image but marred by sin and that were going to hell and he sought for Zacchaeus. Then he went to the poor and he went to the despised man in Luke chapter 19. Read it later. Let me say secondly that Jesus wept over sinners. Matthew chapter 23 and verse 37. Matthew 23, verse 37. I feel a series coming on on this. Y'all better be glad because I've got a lot of notes. Matthew chapter 23, excuse me. And then look at verse 27. Thirty-seven. Okay, I got it. He said this, Jesus speaking. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou killest the prophets and stoneth them which are sent unto thee. How oft would I have gathered my children together, even as a hen gathers her chickens under those wings, and ye would not. I can almost sense the tears as he screams out, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. Jesus wept over Lazarus. It's the first, verses, first verse I memorized, John chapter 11, verse 35, isn't it? Did you memorize it, brother? Jesus wept. Folks, he did weep. He wept wept because of the heartbrokenness. Folks, we ought to weep over sinners. You know, somebody says you can tell a lot about a person's character by what they laugh at and what they weep at. What makes you weep? No yellow gets shot in a movie. What makes you weep? The Cleveland Browns, hey, when the Falcons blow another game, <laughs> what make you weep? I'm going to tell you something, friend. Everybody ought to become a Falcons fan when you move to Georgia because misery loves company. Amen. Praise God. Come on over on the losing side. But anyway, I forget that time was over at Brother Alex's house. And I started calling all my friends when we were beating New England so bad at halftime. Then I had to call after the game and apologize to them because we blew another one. Folks, does that make you weep? Is that what you live for, sports? Is that what you get up thinking about every morning? Money, self. Folks, you'll be most miserable if you don't think like God thinks and weep like God weeps and care like God cares. Jesus cared So should we. The Bible says in Luke chapter 15 
that here he is saying, hey, listen, it was a little, uh, the shepherd left the 99 and he went after the one and then he said he went into the wilderness and he said, go after that which is lost. And when he found him, what was the reaction? He rejoiced. What makes you happy? I tell you, there's nothing that will make you more happy than the will of God, glorifying God, discipling men and ladies to be like God and to reach people for God. I don't know about you, but when I win somebody to the Lord, and that's how this church started 43 years ago. In a couple of weeks, we'll be 43 years old as a church. I know what they're getting in. And I know how wonderful it is to be saved. So I get a little excited about it. And over the years, I've had to restrain myself because not everybody follows through. But that's not my job. It is to disciple them. But praise God, folks, when people get saved, I believe they get saved and I get excited. What excites you? I'm just saying, friend, first of all, it's worth our constant concern. Uh, not only did Jesus weep and not only did Jesus seek, but Jesus prayed for sinners. In Luke chapter 23, he's praying for sinners. You know what's so wonderful about the cross? He sets up an amazing situation. Here's Jesus. There's a lost man and a lost man. You know, God still sets up an amazing situation. Where you work, where you play, where you live, God has set up a divine appointment for you to infiltrate this darkness with the light of the glorious gospel and make a difference in their life. Jesus prayed for sinners. He urged others to pray that God would thrust forth labors. I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 9. Verse 36 through 37. Sounds like I'm going on the mission field, brother. Praise God. But this is the mission field. Look at Matthew chapter 9. Are you there? Say amen. You'll stay awake if you'll open your eyes and look at the Bible. Take a few notes. I believe this is a word from God. Glad you made an extra effort to be here, Brother Petty. We got you on the isolation pew back there just in case you ain't over. Nobody getting near, Brother Petty. But praise God he's here. And he wants to be here. And the truth of the matter is he's out of quarantine. If you get out of quarantine, you ought to come to the house of God. Say amen. But I love these verses in Matthew chapter 9, verse 36. When he saw the multitude, he was moved with compassion on them. What moves you? I want to tell you what ought to move you. Every person is a living soul that will live forever. You talk about the worth of a soul? A soul's a durable thing. You know what gives something worth? It'll make it past the warranty. Say amen. And if I get another call about my car warranty, I'm going to give up the cell phone, say amen. I've already gave up the land phone. That's a waste of time having a phone in your house because all they're going to do is call and say, I'm calling about your warranty. 
I said, ma'am, I want to tell you something before I witness to you. That gets them to hang up real quick. This app said, well, let, let me ask you a question. You got a warranty? If you died today, you know you go to heaven? Click. But I said, it's pretty hard to have a warranty on a 2007 Avalon, amen? I said, that's a, that's a big, said, but you can have an extended one. I just hang up on them. Should witness. Folks, I want to tell you something. The soul lasts forever. Somewhere, somehow, some way, you got to get this fact is that every person has an eternal soul and they're going to live somewhere forever and ever. Not like a dog, not like a cat, not like a deer. This is the pinnacle of all creation. God created humans with a body and a soul and spirit in his image, but sin broke the fellowship. Sin broke the sonship. Sin broke the unity. Folks, the only way we're going to ever reach souls is have compassion upon them. Look at this, because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Have you ever lived in a day, and I'll close, have you ever lived in a day when so many people have no clue. I mean, they're hapless, hopeless sheep. They're looking for this leader and this leader, and they're groping and grasping for this security and that security. And folks, the only security they're ever going to have is in God. The only peace they're ever going to have. The only purpose they're ever going to have the only life they're ever going to have is in Jesus. What a beautiful time to witness. Everybody's down about this pandemic and everybody's socially distanced, but I'll tell you what, friend, you ought to throw a track at people if you have to, amen? But get the gospel to them. Live a life that's undeniable. Be the best Christian that somebody knows. Close by saying this, then he said to his disciples, Harvest truly is plenteous, but the labors are few. And here's Jesus' prayer request. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth labors unto his harvest. I'll tell you what the Lord's prayer for you is. That you'd be a laborer. It's hard to win souls today. Probably about one out of four visits, people will be receptive. Hard soul, crowded soul, it's biblical. But I'll tell you this, friend. If you're prayed up, they know they're not, they're not, you don't try to impress them how much you know, but how much you care, because people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. You can reach them. We've had a lot of people saved during this pandemic. Probably more than any year through the master club, through the bus ministry. And I believe it's because people realize there's something missing. That the world, the politics, or the government cannot afford. Folks, Jesus sought for sinners. Jesus wept for sinners. Jesus prayed for sinners. And Jesus prayed for laborers. But let me just sum it up. Christ died for sinners. Christ died for sinners. In this deep, I mean, I know y'all came all the way here to hear a message that's so, so deep. 
Folks, he had a constant concern enough that he left the splendor and glory of heaven and came to this earth and died on the cross. And three days later, you know what happened. Up from the grave he arose 40 days later, seen by 500 people. That's pretty good evidence, isn't it? He ascended to the right hand of God. Whether you believe it or not, he's still on the throne. And I feel so sorry for people that had all their hope in Donald Trump. I feel so sorry for people that had all their hope in Joe Biden. I feel so sorry for people that had all their hope in Governor Kemp, Vice President Pence. I'm saying, folks, they probably lost hope. But we as Christians... We have a hope that's steadfast. We have an anchor in God, and he's still on the throne. Christ died for sinners, but Christ rose for sinners, and Christ ascended for sinners. And praise God, he's coming back for sinners, and we need to get busy with our concern. First point, and I'll close. The worth of a soul is worth our constant concern. What concerns you 24-7? What concerns you? Whether you're going to get your substancy check or whatever it is. Praise God, you ought to tithe on that, by the way. No. You, you, you know, uh, uh, what concerns me is what the next four years going to entail. I don't know. Looks pretty bleak, don't it? We made it through Clinton and made it through Obama. We'll make it through this. Say amen. You're getting political again. Praise God. No, I'm just saying, friend, the darker it is in this world, the brighter your hope ought to be in the soon coming. And I want to say this, the Apostle Paul cared for sinners. Romans chapter 9, verse 1 through 3. He never got over being saved. You got over it? Where did Christ find you? Preaching? Being a deacon? He found you a lost, dead sinner. He found you on the road to hell. Thanks be to God who saved your soul. Don't ever get over it. We ought to have concern for sinners because we know where they can go and what they can get into called the abundant life if they'll only get saved. Romans chapter 9, verses 1 through 3. I say the truth in Christ, I lie not. My conscience also bear me witness in the Holy Ghost. I have a great heaviness and a continuous sorrow in my heart. For I could wish that myself were a curse from Christ for my brethren, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. I can't pray that. I'm not that spiritual. He said, I'll go to hell that my people would be saved. What a burden. Folks, I can't, I can't pray that. I can't give up heaven. I can't give up Christ. But there ought to be an agony in our soul for the lost. Paul died carrying out the gospel. Amen? In Acts chapter 20, verse 24, my life verse, my ministry verse, whatever you want to call it, you can call it my favorite verse if you want to. 
Acts chapter 20, verse 24, the Bible says, none of these things move me. Don't go to Jerusalem. They'll put you in prison. They'll kill you. But he said, save that the Holy, Holy Ghost witnesses in every city, saying bonds and affliction abide in me. He says, you're going to go to jail, son. They might just chop your head off, and they did. But he said, none of these things move me. Neither count I my life dear unto myself. There's our problem. We think too much of our life. So that I might finish my course with what? Joy. And the ministry which I've received of the Lord Jesus. What is that ministry? What is the ministry of every person on earth? To testify the gospel of the grace of God. Didn't say be a preacher. Didn't say be a pastor. Didn't say be a missionary. It said you need to be a testifier. You need to be a witness. You need to have a constant concern for lost and dying souls. And Paul carried out that gospel. For he said in 2 Timothy chapter 4, y'all know it. Verse 7, I fought a good fight. I finished my course. What was that course? To testify the gospel of Christ. <clears throat> I have kept the faith. <laughs> Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord the righteous judge shall give me at that day, not to me only, but unto them also that love his appearing. He said in 1 Thessalonians that his joy and his crown was souls that he won to the Lord. His joy, his crown. Must I face Jesus empty-handed? I want to tell you something. Besides having a crown, there ought to be several people around you in heaven saying, thank you for winning me to the Lord. Thank you for bringing the gospel to Australia. Thank you for discipling me and training somebody else that took the gospel to me. Thank you. Thank you for being a soul winner. Thank you for caring for others. We ought to pray. We ought to weep. We ought to witness that men and ladies, boys and girls, would come to Jesus. Let me just say it like this. There ought to be some urgency about this thing called life. It's a sacred trust. It's his goods, his talents. Don't go hide them in the sand, but he's coming as an investor. He expects some some interest, he expects some gain, he expects you to win souls. He expects you to go after them. Hey, listen to me. He expects you to seek with concern the lost. He expects you to be so filled with the Spirit of God that when you look at somebody, you don't look and see, well, they're black, they're white, they're Hispanic, they're rich, they're poor, they're Australian, they're American, they're hillbilly, they're redneck. They're Tennessee volunteers or they're Georgia Bulldogs. God bless you if you root for Tennessee. But anyway, <clears throat> we need to be concerned to go seek. It seems like yesterday that Miss Lisa personally come knock on my door and she was screaming and she was crying and she said, Preacher, help us. Please help us. Wendy is missing. 
We can't find her. And I believe if anybody could find her, the man of God could find her. I said, boy, that's a responsibility. Praise God. I said, well, since she put me on the spot, I said, well, let's pray first. So I shot up a flare prayer. I said, dear God, give us wisdom to find Wendy. By the way, Wendy lives in Dalton right now, and she's a uh, first responder. Drives the ambulance, rescuing people, probably because of this night. So here we go. We set out, me and Miss Connie, I was carrying Jason. He's only about nine months old. We're searching all over the cemetery behind the Persley's house, West Crawford Street. They call it the quarters over there. That's why I moved. There's a humble start. Praise God. I never go on vacation. They switched me from a two-bedroom apartment to a three-bedroom apartment. I thought I'd ride. Amen. thought I got everything stolen from me. Praise God. But they surprised me with a beautiful gift of a three-bedroom apartment. She knocked on that door. She's the resident manager. and She said, please help us. Please help us. Me and Miss Connie, we started scanning that cemetery. It's getting dark now. Boy, we're desperate. I mean, I felt the pain of this mama. I felt the tears. I felt the urgency. She wanted me to pray. We were searching all over the place. We couldn't find her. We came back, the whole apartment complex. I mean, 50 or 60 people scanned the whole uh, place, scanned there. We said, oh, she's been kidnapped. We know it. The, and he's a state trooper, and boy, he knew she'd been kidnapped. Because he, he, he deals with a lot of people that would kidnap her, like you used to. And we searched and we searched. And finally, we, went, we called the police. We called the fire department. We called everybody. And I said, I think we need to go back in the apartment and pray again. I thought that was a sensible thing to do from a man of God. We began to pray again. About that time, Wendy walked out of her bedroom. She'd got into a little toy box or a hope chest at the foot of the bed. She went to sleep in that box. We thought she'd been kidnapped, molested, murdered, lost. She went to sleep in her toy box. And I looked at Lisa and I said, God has answered our prayers. <laughs> Amen. She became the secretary of the church and he became an organist. But I thought about the urgency Brother Gabe and the tears and the time. And it wasn't too cold and it wasn't too dark and it wasn't an inconvenience because Wendy, we thought, was in danger. And church, can I say this? On the Sanctity of Life Sunday, boys and girls and men and ladies have a soul. And that soul's going to live somewhere forever. And we ought to look at the worth of a soul. Jesus died for that soul. Jesus loves that soul. And that soul's going to live forever somewhere, either in hell or heaven. And we must be like Jesus and weep and pray and be concerned and go and seek the lost. Father, use this message. Thank you, dear God. It's been a good day. And God, I'm burdened and I'm guilty. I get wrapped up in my agenda and 
wrapped up in survival mode, not taking new ground, and not reaching out to a lost and dying world. God, help us to rescue the perish and care for the dying. God, help us not to rest till we see some of our relatives saved. I think about Todd and, oh God, I, uh, he's wasting his life. He's burning his brain, his body up. He needs to be saved. His daddy and mom are so burdened for him. Several loved ones we can think of need to be saved. A lot of that crowd at the wedding this afternoon, they need to be saved. They're having a celebration tonight for this wedding. What they ought to be is in church, but that's what lost people do. They don't realize the value of church. They don't realize the value of the Word. They don't realize the value of the Holy Spirit and the presence of the Holy Spirit. They're lost. They're dead. They need Jesus. God help us have a burden. Help us to realize that you've called us for a high and holy purpose, and that's to be your laborers and your harvest. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I didn't mean to preach this long. I only preached one point, but I ain't going to apologize for it. I didn't feel like being here when I got here. Now I don't feel like leaving. Who would say, preacher, I have somebody on my heart? needs to be saved. I want you to pray with me for them. Would you slip your hand up? You might be lost in church entity and Christ- they're not really Christians. They're religious but lost. Why don't you slip down? I know it's 18 after 7 and we'll be out of here in a few minutes. But While the piano player's playing, let's stand to our feet. Let's just pray one more time. Like Brother Al taught this morning in Sunday school, let's intercede. Let's not just come as a ritual. God, help us not to be religious religious rituals here. God, help us to be burdened Christians. Jesus went out and said the shepherd sought and went out. When's the last time you loaded your pocket up with gospel tracts instead of business cards? When's the last time you you cared more about having gospel tracts and you did your cell phone. Oh my, we're getting touchy now. Why don't you pray for that lost loved one real quick? Or real slow, I don't care. We'll keep the church open as long as you want to pray. I'm, I'm glad you didn't come to leave, but you come to be a blessing. Thank God for our missionary coming by this way. I was impressed with this little family. They would go all over the country begging for support so they could beg people to be saved. What a high and holy calling. Don't you feel sorry for them? Thank God they're being obedient. But you're called to be a missionary. Who is it? Would you name their name? Would you see their face like a video right in front of your face? You know, they might think they're religious, but they might be just lost. Come on. How about that person you met at the grocery store the other day? We ought to be friendly folks. Even if we have to talk through a mask. How about that guy in school? You got four desks around you. Some of them are lost. They're going to hell. They act like it, don't they? How about that teacher? How about that boss? How about that workmate? How about that employee? You got a little advantage if you're their employer. 
You can witness to them and they, they get mad, they'll just quit. <laughs> you won't get fired. Hallelujah. Come on. Come on. How about that aunt, that uncle? How about that aunt and uncle? Jehovah Witness? Mormon? Or just humanistic American? Thinking their own God? God help us. The majority of America don't think they need to be in church today. I'm not talking about the pandemic. I'm talking about the epidemic of humanism. I'm my own God. I don't need God. Boy, God moved tonight in my soul. I want to get a couple of tracks before I leave this place. I want to hand them out. I want to give them the gospel. I want to mail one to somebody. I'll try to find Todd's address and mail him a track. Say, I love you, buddy. Don't live without Jesus. Because if we're not careful, the next thing we're going to find out is he's checked out of this world because of depression. Anybody else? Sometimes I like to be still and just see what God wants to do. Sometimes I've been guilty of trying to get out of here by 7.15 because of your relaxation. Friend, I'm going to tell you something. You'll watch, you'll watch TV two, three hours before you go to bed. Read a book. Or eat for 30 minutes. <laughs> Amen. Kind of hungry myself. Anybody else? Father, use this message. God, help it to be a message to our heart, not just another sermon, not an outline. I didn't have much of an outline. God, can we see you seeking, weeping, concerned constantly, praying for souls. May we be just like you. In Jesus' precious name we pray.